Taiwan's local COVID case count rose sharply on Tuesday from about 53,000 to 82,973. The biggest jump in cases was seen in central and southern Taiwan. With 12,572 new cases for the day, Kaohsiung reported the most cases of any city or county. Let's hear from Kaohsiung's mayor. Our rate of infection in Kaohsiung is 8.46%, so it's slowly reaching a plateau. As for medical capacity, we still have 50.1% of our hospital beds unoccupied. That means that we have enough hospital beds, that our medical capacity is enough to meet our needs. We also have enough rapid tests, and we will give an extra test to anyone who comes up positive. Kaohsiung will give free tests to people in social welfare, education, and frontline pandemic work. Tests will also be given to pregnant women and other vulnerable groups, the mayor said. By the end of the week, Kaohsiung will have distributed more than 2.8 million rapid tests. The city hopes to identify cases early to minimize community transmission and enable early treatment. Doctors are sounding the alarm about myocarditis, a heart disease that can happen after a COVID infection. It's believed to have caused the death of a 15-year-old boy who contracted COVID last month. Teens are especially prone to myocarditis, which tends to appear one to two weeks after a viral infection. Symptoms to watch out for include sudden breathing difficulties, wheezing, and chest tightness or pain. The doctor told his parents that they would continue trying to save him, but they weren't able to in the end. Last month, the 15-year-old nephew of screenwriter Yue Qingqing became infected with COVID-19. Upon completing his mandatory home care period, he returned to school. On his first day back, he suddenly fainted and could not be resuscitated. The team was just months away from high school when his life was cut tragically short. On Monday, the CECC said he was Taiwan's first case of a teenager dying from COVID. An autopsy confirmed that he suffered from viral myocarditis combined with acute pulmonary edema and cardiogenic shock. He was also still infected with COVID. At present, we are listing the cause of death as myocarditis. Following recovery from COVID, many patients know to watch for long-term symptoms, which include brain fog and forgetfulness. Not many know that cardiovascular problems can flare up in the four weeks following recovery. Doctors say that youth in particular must watch out for viral myocarditis. Once the virus reaches the lungs, there's a chance it can infect the heart, causing the heart muscle to become infected and inflamed. The risk of that is slightly greater among younger people. The chance of myocarditis after vaccination might be between 1 in 50,000 to 1 in 100,000. The chance of it happening after a natural infection is more than 10 times greater. Viral myocarditis typically occurs one to two weeks after the initial infection. After respiratory symptoms have already improved, it can manifest as sudden breathing difficulties, wheezing, chest tightness or pain or other symptoms. Basically, the mortality rate for viral myocarditis is quite high. It's possible for it to result in sudden death and the progression of the condition is relatively fast. Infection with COVID-19 may also increase the risk of heart disease and stroke. Basically, those who were infected are more likely to experience cardiovascular disease, stroke or thrombosis than those who were never infected. Studies show that the rate of heart disease is two to six times greater. As the epidemic continues, the number of deaths among minors continues to rise. So far, COVID has killed 16 children aged 12 and under in Taiwan. Doctors say that patients should be monitored closely even after they make an apparent recovery.
Doctors are warning that the eyes can be a common gateway for COVID infections. Did you know that most people rub their eyes at least seven times an hour? If you have traces of virus on your hand, or you might, you might be rubbing them into your eye. But by washing your hands thoroughly and taking extra care in high-risk environments, you can protect your eyes and those around you. Type on your keyboard, swipe at your phone, switch from this device to that, and finally, give your tired eyes a rub. Sound familiar? Take care that you're not rubbing infections into your eyes. We all know about washing our hands and wearing masks by now, but doctors say that the eyes are another key spot where COVID can take hold because they have a lot of ACE2 receptors that COVID can attach to. Research shows that people rub their eyes an average of 7.2 times an hour. If the virus is on your hands, you might be unwittingly transporting it. There are often ACE2 receptors in the membrane of the eye. They can cause inflammations of the eye, which will cause redness and dryness of the eyes for the patient. International research shows that one in 10 COVID patients will experience discomfort in the eye, usually dryness or itchiness. More than 13% will experience redness. Some patients with very severe cases requiring respiratory support even develop swelling around or in the eyes or eyelid. COVID can have ocular symptoms. They are very similar to a normal case of viral conjunctivitis. In severe cases, there are virus particles or toxins in your whole body, which may cause chemosis or swelling of the outer surface of the eye. These are all toxicity symptoms of normal viruses. Doctors advise that when you enter a high-risk area, you might consider wearing goggles to protect your eyes. Equally important is to keep washing your hands and avoid rubbing your eyes too often. Taiwan's inflation rate rose again in May to hit its highest level in nearly 10 years. That's according to new government data on the Consumer Price Index, a measure of prices for goods and services. The CPI rose 3.39% year-on-year in May, marking a 117-month high. Taiwan's CPI has now breached the 2% alert level for nine consecutive months. Notably, the cost of eating out rose 5.8%, the most in 13 and a half years. Another shocking increase was seen in the price of eggs, which climbed 32.23%, the most in 41 months. The government says the inflation rate could fall slightly in June, but will likely still stay above 3%. Taste of Europe is a video series in which diplomats stationed in Taiwan cook dishes from their home countries. In one episode, the Netherlands representative to Taiwan and his wife showed the audience how to make stompot, a mashed potato dish that's often served with meatballs. Netherlands office Taipei Gaido Tielman and his spouse Rita introduced the ingredients needed to make stamp pot, a mashed potato dish that's often served with meatballs. The ingredients include minced beef and minced pork, one carrot, three potatoes, white onion, butter, milk, salt, and nutmeg. I'm going to make a dish called stampot in Dutch, and it's mashed potato. And stampot can be made with different vegetables added. There are also some secret ingredients that go into the dish, including ketchup manis. So this is a very traditional Dutch dish. Yes. Um, when I was a boy, I grew up with this kind of food. The interesting thing is also that you, you have traditional European ingredients, but you will also have Indonesian ingredients. Oh. This is ketchup manis, which is an, Indonesian, yes, an Indonesian ingredient. 
really grow up with it. The first step is to peel the potatoes, then prepare the minced beef and pork. This is the uh, minced beef and minced pork, together with one teaspoon of curry powder, and black pepper, salt, breadcrumbs, one tablespoon, and one egg. Then it's time to pan fry the meatballs. Add a bit of onion and garlic and mix it with the meatballs. After that, mash the potatoes and carrots and then add a bit of butter and milk. You know how much I'm using it. The thing is, it just needs to become fluffy. And the interesting thing is this dish is really, really simple, but it has bags of flavor. How do you call nutmeg in um, Mandarin? Sprinkle on a bit of nutmeg, add mustard and ketchup, and the dish is ready to be served. A new episode of Taste of Europe is released every Friday. In the episodes, representatives from 15 EU member states teach viewers how to make authentic European dishes from their home countries. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Qi in Taipei. President Tsai Ing-wen hosted a Slovak delegation at the presidential office on Tuesday. Tsai thanks Slovakia for supporting Taiwan's bid to participate in the World Health Assembly. She said the two countries will continue to cooperate and to build a strong democratic front. Tsai was invited to visit Bratislava, a self-governing region in western Slovakia. President Tsai Ing-wen received a Slovak delegation at the presidential office on Tuesday. Members of both the delegation and Tsai's administration wore face masks adorned with the two countries' flags in a show of mutual respect and friendship. These past few years, Taiwan and Slovakia have grown closer in our relationship. There were our shared efforts in combating the pandemic, with Taiwan donating masks to Slovakia and Slovakia sending Taiwan a donation of vaccines. We are creating good in the world together. I would like to thank Slovakia for its assistance. Before I continue with my speech, I'd like to express deep gratitude toward President Tsai. The gifts we found in our rooms left us very pleasantly surprised. Thank you very, very much. The delegation was given popular Taiwanese snacks of tofu pudding and pineapple cakes, from shops in Taipei's Ningxia Night Market, it was the president's warm welcome to her guests from Slovakia, who had strongly supported Taiwan's bid for participation in this year's World Health Assembly. Tsai said she was deeply moved by the three committees of Slovakia's National Council passing successive resolutions to support Taiwan at the WHA. Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Taiwan and Slovakia worked together to help resettle Ukrainian refugees. I believe that in the future, Taiwan and Slovakia will continue to work together with like-minded nations and build a resilient democratic front. Taiwan will make many more contributions to the world. Taiwan's good friends in Slovakia stand behind you. We will not compromise on this due to external interference or obstruction. We are also prepared at all times to resist threats to democracy. In our respective pursuits of democracy, our two countries have traveled a long and bumpy road, so we treasure our democracy and freedoms. You, Madam President, are the embodiment of democracy and freedom for your country and your people. I would like to extend a sincere invitation to President Tsai. In the future, if conditions permit, I hope that President Tsai will have the opportunity to visit Bratislava. You should know that I will always roll out the red carpet for you. Amid historically strong bilateral ties, Tsai was invited to visit the Bratislava region in western Slovakia. 
With the Russian invasion ongoing, many Ukrainians have become conscious of the threat posed by authoritarian powers, including Beijing. In Ukraine, there's a mounting aversion to China, as well as a rise in sympathies for Taiwan. What's the state of Taiwan-Ukraine relations today, and what might the future hold? Let's hear from the experts. Since February, Russia's invasion has forced many Ukrainians to flee their homes and face the other traumas of war. Ukrainians have also become keenly aware of China's role in regional affairs. According to a Ukrainian researcher, China had opportunities to obstruct Russia's invasion of Ukraine, especially right before the Winter Olympics. China's failure to do so has earned a contempt among many Ukrainians, the researcher said. A lot of Ukrainians will be very opposite of China investment, for example, especially in strategic sphere, uh, opposite of close relations with China. According to Ukrainian MP Inasovsin, Ukrainians were not previously familiar with Taiwan. However, China's position on the Russian invasion has made them more aware of the threat Taiwan faces and to feel a bond with Taiwan. They will say, like, you know, we should tweet about Taiwan. We should speak about that because that is important for for younger generation here in Ukraine. It's also uh, politically smart in Ukraine because the younger generation uh, you know, it has much more sympathy for Taiwan, and I think there is the potential in growing our relations. But with the war ongoing, some Ukrainians fear that strengthening ties with Taiwan would cause China to retaliate by offering Russia military support. Experts say that over the short term, Ukraine is unlikely to change its China policy and will stay quiet on Taiwan-related issues. Nevertheless, experts say that Taiwan-Ukraine ties are deepening, citing recent talks between Taiwan's foreign minister and the mayors of Kyiv and Kharkiv. More exchanges are expected between the two countries. People will support further relations of Ukraine and Taiwan. They will push forward such topics to the level of the parliament. And once it will be in the parliament, it will be in the government. And hopefully, I don't know, next year or in two years, we will have official offices uh, of Ukraine Taiwan in Kyiv and Taipei. The expert said that while official Taiwan and Ukraine ties may need to wait, the countries could still hold regional exchanges and engage in trade, especially in the tech sector. He said that the more the two sides engage to their mutual benefit, the greater the chance of political change. The Taipei International Book Exhibition has opened once again in person in the nation's capital. In its past two editions, the annual exhibition was held virtually due to COVID. Now, from June 2nd to the 7th, the TIB will present 10 pavilions featuring 364 local and international publishers from 31 countries. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in to look at some of the highlights. Books from Ukrainian authors, Ukrainian voices, and Ukrainian narratives. Valentina Butenko introduces the Ukraine Pavilion at the 2022 Taipei International Book Exhibition. Butenko is the head of international business development of Yakabu, a leading book publisher in Ukraine. The Ukrainian Pavilion showcases Ukrainian works translated into German and Chinese, including fiction, nonfiction, and picture books. Butenko thanked Taiwan and highlighted the fact that Taiwan and Ukraine are both countries that fight for democracy and stand for freedom. I also want to extend my thanks before I talk about you know, Ukraine and Yakubu to the Taiwanese public, the Taiwanese people. I have really been humbled by the support you have shown to Ukraine. Um, by the kindness of your people and by your recognition of the importance of the fight for democracy and freedom that we are fighting. And I, and I truly believe there is a lot 
between Taiwan and Ukraine in common, there's a lot in common in our future because we are both countries that understand what it means to stand up to aggressor and understand what it means to, to stand for freedom, democracy and human rights. Aside from books, 15 illustrations are also on display at the Ukrainian pavilion to allow readers to better understand the situation in Ukraine. There are also QR codes that allow visitors to read about the Ukrainian book market. Visitors can also make donations to support Ukraine. Uh, we have pictures of sorrow and of anger, but also of hope. And I think that really summarizes what Ukraine is and what Ukraine is about, that despite the terror, despite uh, the aggression, we always believe, we always hope, we always keep going. Butenko, who is from Kiev, says she has had to take refuge in bomb shelters with her family amid the Russian invasion. She says she's grateful to have been invited to the Taipei International Book Exhibition. Through the exhibition, she hopes to let more people understand Ukraine and preserve their Ukrainian identity. This particular stand and this particular exhibition is, is incredibly important to me personally. Uh, because as I mentioned uh, a few months ago, I was in Kiev and I was experiencing the war and I was living in bomb shelters. But you know, the scariest thing in those moments uh, isn't even the thought that you might lose your house, it's the thought that your very identity uh, might be destroyed, it might be eliminated forever. And this particular moment, this is about preserving Ukrainian identity on the international stage. At this year's Taipei International Book Exhibition, France returned as a guest of honor for the fourth time. The French Pavilion exhibits 2,000 books from 80 publishers across all genres. It also features an exhibition that showcases manuscripts of French novelist Marcel Proust. This is the 30th Taipei International Book Exhibition. It features 10 themed pavilions in 10 special areas. We are very grateful to France for being the guest of honor for the fourth time. In the Taiwan Pavilion, one highlight is a Reading Citizens book area, which features a convenience store-style booth where books are placed in a fridge. There's also an autograph machine that readers can use to receive autographs from their favorite authors. Event organizers are providing free hand sanitizers as well as gloves and masks. In order to curb the spread of the virus, an epidemic prevention door is installed at the entrance of the book exhibition. Visitors can also take masks, gloves, and hand sanitizers next to the entrance. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yan Wenchen in Taipei. Goose meat is one of the luxuries of traditional Taiwanese cuisine. We head now to Taipei for a glimpse into the kitchen of a goose chef extraordinaire. Chen Xingying worked his way up from running a street stall to open a family business with his wife. Slices of marinated goose give off just a hint of medicinal flavoring. The plate is finished with a poached egg and greens. The egg yolk will mix perfectly into a bed of rice. If we rewind a few hours, the goose is dipped in goose bone broth and occasionally lifted out again to get the temperature even all over. Blood is removed from the goose by boiling it in this pan. Then it's time to turn the stove off and let the goose slow cook to perfection in the residual heat. Each one is 4 to 4.5 kilograms. They have more fat and they're more tender. Straight after its hot bath, the goose goes in a pan of cold water to prevent it from overcooking. Finally, it gets to bathe in a soup of medicinal herbs, wine, and salts. If the meat is thicker, when you slow cook it, it locks the juices in and it will be more tender. 
Chef Chen Xingyi has specialized in goose for more than a decade. He previously sold ramen and breakfast snacks. He began working as a dishwasher in his friend's goose restaurant with the goal of opening a new establishment with his wife. In those days, my wife and I would go out with a breakfast stall in the mornings until 3 p.m. Then we'd go to the goose restaurant. I started learning from washing the dishes and closing up shop, and gradually he passed all his skills on to me. After saving up enough money from those two gigs, Chen and his wife could finally start their own business. Now this is the place to be if you're a fan of traditional slow-cooked goose. Turning now to the weather, the third plum rain front of the season is upon us. In Xinzhou and Miali, the front brought nearly 130 millimeters of rainfall by the afternoon. You can expect rains nationwide for most of the week. If you're along the west coast, watch out for sudden bursts of heavy showers until Thursday. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. This afternoon, Xinjiang and regions south of it, including Jiayi, Kaohsiung, Pingdong, and Hualien, were hit with 40 to 50 millimeters of rainfall an hour. From now until Thursday, the western coast, the northeast, and the east coast will see localized heavy rain. Localized extremely heavy rain is likely in Miaoli, Taichung, and Zhanghua. Starting Sunday, the rainfall will gradually ease. On Sunday, we anticipate brief showers or thunderstorms along the western coast, Penghu, Jinmen, and Mazu. Rainfall will become more localized along the east coast. But for the rest of Taiwan, we expect sunny skies. For the rest of the week, be on the alert for severe weather events and flooding in low-lying areas. Under the impact of the rain front, temperatures are expected to drop by 1 to 2 degrees on Wednesday.